Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Could the Bucs use the franchise tag on Levante David instead of Shaquille Barrett or Chris Godwin? And does Randy Orozarena become a superstar this year? Does the NHL silo divisions actually help or hurt the Lightning come playoff time? We've got your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started, uh, I wanted you guys to check out uh, my story in TampaBay.com, also in the Tampa Bay Times. Interesting little anecdote. This is this will show you. We've been writing kind of a, a little bit of a series of stories about repeating, right, the Bucks. Trying to go for two, as as Bruce Arians would say. Don't say they're running it back. That's Kansas City's bleep. Um, But they're going to go for two. So, you know, one of the things uh, that you have to look at is, well, you know, who's the quarterback? And, of course, Brady's the last guy to have repeated um, with any team, with the New England Patriots back in, I think, 03-04. And so, you know, the big thing about Brady, a lot of times when these quarterbacks win a Super Bowl, depending on where they're at in their careers – they may be looking at a contract extension or taking big money or wanting more. And there's a lot of distractions, right? There's all the off-field stuff and the endorsements and commercials and, and uh, you know, different things that vie for their time in the offseason. Brady has done this so long, and he's one of the, more, he's one of the most commercialized athletes in sport, not just in, in his sport. But he handles all of it flawlessly. Like, it, it's, it's, it's really something to behold when it's football – it's football, and when it's not football, it's football. But he still manages to do, you know, his watch commercials and movies, and and you know all, all the things with TV twelve, and um, you know just just whatever is is he feels he should do. Um, but to show you how driven he is, and, and there's been a thousand stories about Brady and and you know how obsessed he is with football. But here's a guy, um, you know, who just won his seventh Lombardi Trophy and tried to chuck it across the river and did so to Camp Ray. But, you know, they, they win on Sunday, and, and of course it's late, you know, and, and by the time they get off the podiums and they do all their interviews, you know, it's it's well past midnight at that point. And then, um, you know, the Bucks had a sort of a hastily uh, thrown-together party, I guess, at the Florida Aquarium because the NFL wouldn't let them do it at their facility or their indoor facility or anything like that. Um, so I think they may have hijacked somebody's party, but whatever they, they, they threw one together and it was a lot of fans, not, uh, not fans, but family and, you know, different, different, uh, people from the County, I think in the city and all that, um, whoever the who's who of Tampa Bay, I guess was there. It wasn't just the team. And I don't believe Brady attended, at least that's, that's what I understood from some coaches because he had his family there and he had to do a eight, eight AM or eight fifteen AM you know, a uh, conference call with the media to get his MVP award with Roger Goodell and Bruce Arians. And uh, I think he was probably on some morning shows. I, I don't really know. Um, but so so uh, his quarterback's coach, Clyde Christensen, went to the party. And, and you know, he didn't get back 
um, with with his family, probably till around three three o'clock in the morning or so, maybe maybe as late as four. At eight a.m., um, you know, he's got his grandkids are over and they're bouncing in and out of their room and stuff, so he's kind of awake, but not really right after two or three or four hours sleep. And the phone lights up and it's FaceTime, and it's Brady. And Brady, you know, first thing you want to do is say, "Hey, man, I, you know, I didn't really see you after we won, um, you know, because because I, I believe Clyde's upstairs and and uh, they're on, you know, they're on the podium and whatever. Somehow they're they're passed in cross afterwards. He wanted to thank him, you know, what a journey. And then right away he says, "Hey, I've been thinking about next year, and I'm thinking that you know we can do, you know, we can play. We're going to play better. We're going to have a better team. We're going to do, and it, it just." It's stunning, even for somebody who's been in in football for forty something years, like Clyde has been, to think, "Hey, man, it's not even twelve hours after the kickoff, right? From from winning your suit, your seventh Super Bowl, and Brady is having a conversation at eight o'clock in the morning about twenty twenty one. That's that's so who he is, and there's it's it's so rare, you know that." that somebody would be as, as, as eaten up with football mm-hmm. as he is, but he truly meant it. And it, it was really, uh, to hear Clyde tell it, it's interesting. He tells the story better than I do, but, um, go check it out in the Tampa Bay times. I, I just think it, it kind of, you know, you, you know, you can talk about all the statistics, right? Um, how many teams that win a Super Bowl or go to a Super Bowl miss the playoffs the next year, like San Francisco did, right? Mm-hmm. San Francisco went to Super Bowl 54, didn't make the playoffs. That's not that unusual. It's not that uncommon to not even be in the in the postseason. Um, Brady is the outlier to every stat you can throw at people about repeating because, uh, you know, the bottom line is the guy, I think he's played in, in his career in about 75% of the time he plays in the championship game. And we know that, you know, he's been in 10 Super Bowls in 21 seasons, which is damn near half of them. So... You can throw out all the numbers you want to because, you know, while it is hard to repeat, and, and it's true that no one has done it since Brady in the early 2000s, um, nonetheless, you know, nothing really applies to him, you know, statistically, because he, he is the true outlier of, of every stat you can throw out there. The drive that those elite players have, and I think it was what in the documentary The Last Dance with Jordan, and yeah. they talked about they just won a championship. Mm-hmm. So, I don't remember which season, whatever. What flew back, and then he was in the gym taking three hundred more jumpers that night. Crazy, right? You know, Just already crazy. working for next. I mean, it's it's yeah the drive that that guys like Brady and Jordan and rare. You know, you hear like mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant had that same type drive, and and there are many yep. others too. But you know, right. they never stop with it. it it's. Mm-mm. They are, they are. You know, Tiger Woods was probably that way with golf. Tiger Woods, um, absolutely. You know, they're they are eaten up with perfection and, mm-hmm. and the drive to get to that. And, you know, we know they never achieve perfection. There is no such right. thing in sports. And But they chase it. But they chase it, and, and it, it eats them up, and, and it consumes them and drives them. I mean, you know, Tom Brady, what, a day or two ago is, you know, tweeting on a video from years ago of, what was it, Steve Sable uh, reading him his draft. Um, uh, <laughs> draft profile. Draft profile, mm-hmm. you know, slow – Mm-hmm. not physically not athletic, gifted, right? you know, this. It's knocked down easily. Yeah, knocked down easily, and he said, still drives me to this day. <laughs> it does, man. You know, and he's tweeting One, that, you know, after he won the seventh Super Bowl. Remember when he tweeted, uh, uh, within a couple days, he tweeted, what do I do for the next five months? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, and we know what he's doing. We know he's in there working, right? We know that that he's trying. Now he's got the knee injury, um, had surgery on that, and from my understanding, and I know you know Bruce Arians may know more than anybody else, but he, I think Bruce said, well, it'll probably be June. I think it'll be a little sooner than that. I don't think it was a serious injury, though, and I know there was a report, and I'm not, I'm not downgrading Ben Bolin, who does a great job up in Boston. Um, he had a friend of Brady's that he quoted anonymously saying, when people find out what it was, his legend will grow even bigger. That's not the sense I get, you know, from, from the Bucks. That, that, yeah, he, he did need a procedure, and, and, yeah, it did bother him. It was bothersome. Um, but more, you know, more like just having, you know, not, not from, a, not from a, a pain standpoint necessarily, but, you know, just sort of just nagging more than anything else. But whatever it was, he played through it, and nobody knew, nobody knew the difference. Obviously, he played one of his best seasons of his career, which is saying something. But, um, you know, you throw for 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns and throw another 10 touchdowns in the playoffs, you're doing something right. So physically, he was, he was able to grind through it. Um, but yeah, he's, those guys are, they're just different, man. They're just, they're so different. And I think that, you know, as we get around Brady, we start to, you know, to pick up some of those things. And it even, what's funny is how it even surprises people that coach him, you know, that, um, you know, and, and I mean, this is, it's not dissimilar to Peyton Manning, who was that guy as well. And, and Clyde coached both of those guys. And there are some similarities, but man, like eight AM the next day, you're you're calling a coach talking about what you can do to be better in twenty twenty one. I mean, really? Give it a couple hours, man. But that's that's not how he's that's not how he's wired. A couple so. hours. He probably did give it a couple hours. He wanted to call yeah. him at two or three in the morning, probably. That's right, waited. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Probably probably thought, well right. he's probably he at the be, party. I better wait till the morning. Probably at the party, maybe I'll wait till the morning. Okay, it's eight o'clock, let's call him now. <laughs> I'd have said, Well, maybe ten, you know, but he was up, so if he was up, everybody had to be up. He had to do the uh, interviews and stuff for the MVP the next day so obviously he had an early morning now but, was uh, was brady's background his you know jeter's house or was it i don't the know field at berkeley prep was he actually there working I, out i don't know <laughs> i don't know uh, he could have been he could have been working out i don't know <laughs> i bet he i bet he didn't wait very long to work out that's for sure um some breaking news in the nfl you probably heard the stories by now as you listen to this podcast jj watt is coming to tampa bay found a team tampa bay no he's oh. not not coming to tampa bay um, but it was, uh, it was funny because, you know, we've, we've heard, you know, you hear different teams kind of leak out, right? What about Green Bay? He's from Wisconsin. They need a pass rusher. They're clearing cap space. Must be Green Bay. Oh, you know what? Buffalo. They're just one pass rusher away. They could win the AFC, and they got the quarterback, and if they get him, and then, well, Chicago, you know, is right there where his wife plays soccer. So maybe they have a place in Chicago, and they've been, you know, uh, putting pictures on Twitter of them out um, out in a boat uh, in in the windy city, so maybe it's Chicago. Out of nowhere, Arizona, <laughs> the Cardinals. Wait, the Car- I thought he wanted to win. Uh, well, hey, look, I mean, some people believe in, in in Kyler Murray and and you know that that group there on offense in particular. But um, yeah, not exactly. You know, if you're talking about rings, if you're chasing rings. You're not necessarily going to go there if you only have a year or two. He gets a two-year contract well, and for, for about $32 million. You've got but, Russell Wilson in Seattle. Presumably he'll still be there. Right, right. You've got Matthew Stafford now on the Rams in that division. And San Francisco should bounce back. They should I mean, be a lot healthier than they were this year. Right, and start with the quarterback, right? That's I mean, a he'll tough. Di- yeah, that's a tough division to go win in. 
Right. I mean, you're no better than maybe the third the third best team, right? Um, going into the season, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so, yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to put Seattle ahead of it, and I and I would say, you know, I would say the Niners will bounce back. Some people aren't Garoppolo fans. I get it. Maybe they end up with Deshaun Watson, though. Who knows? You know that that story hasn't been written yet. So, but yeah, JJ Watt going to Arizona Cardinals, and the reason is, um, in my mind, it's money. I mean, we always talk about you know guys want to chase rings and guys, oh, I just want to win a championship. And, and I'm not saying that the Cardinals aren't aren't in the hunt because they are. They're they're they definitely have a young and talented quarterback. Um, their defense really wasn't as the strength of their team. And so this helps. And especially, you know, if you pair him with Chandler Jones, who led the NFL in sacks about two or three years ago, um, and then Shaquille, he almost had it the year that Shaquille Barrett two years ago when, when Barrett passed him at the end. Um, that's that's some really, you know, dominant defensive players. Um, but when you guarantee a guy of his age with, with his injury record, Twenty-three million. I think the twenty-three million is why he's in Arizona. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, there's no question that you know um, that he was not going to get that kind of money from some of these other teams we talked about. So while they're a contender, they're not a Super Bowl. I wouldn't put them as a Super Bowl contender. I put them as a division contender, mm-hmm. a playoff contender, maybe even a conference champion contender, but not, but not necessarily a Super Bowl contender. I think, I think there's still a ways from that. And yet, J.J. Watt's going to be an Arizona Cardinal. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's, it's interesting because even the uh, the so-called experts did not see what Steve Kime was doing, you know, behind the scenes. And a lot of times, that's the case. But hey, if I'd have told you a year ago, Tom Brady's coming to the Bucks on this day, right? And mm-hmm. and by th- by this time, actually, Bruce Arians had mentioned to us at the combine, which would have been last week, that there was if there was one quarterback he would put a call to that if he was available it would be Tom Brady so maybe you would have believed it but even then people were thinking okay well, a you believe he'd make the call the Patriots. yeah you believe he made the he'd right. make the call you didn't believe but Tom you Brady didn't believe he'd come here right right so you know they were laying in the weeds a little bit obviously Arizona was in the weeds with J.J. Watt and frankly they over they overpaid they probably you know I think they won the bidding war and that's what this was I mean J.J. Watt had a chance to go around look at a bunch of teams before free agency, which was his advantage that the Texans released him when they did. And, um, you know, and, and here he is. And so well, that's, he's got his deal. That's the whole thing with free agency is if you're fixing your team through free agency, it generally doesn't work because you have to overpay. That's what mm-hmm. free agency is. Uh, yep. With the rare exception of Tom Brady coming for a $25 million contract. Which and, wasn't and the, overpaying. It was no, a bargain. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. There's, yeah. there, there are some exceptions of – yeah. Of players that it's not about overpaying. And that Brady was about the situation and this. It wasn't about how much money he was going to get paid. No. I mean, Twenty five million is a lot, but for a quarterback, a top notch quarterback, it's not. That's a no. that's a bargain deal. It is. Um, you know, but for the most part, you overpay for free agents. And that's mm-hmm. I mean, that's the nature of it. It's everyone's bidding against it. Someone's gonna overpay. Bucks have done it for years. Bucks have done they it. They used for to win years. free agency every year or every other year. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, they would they would pay the most money, and that's how they got guys here. And they had to do that in order to get them here, um, because they you you weren't coming to a franchise that had a great history of winning. Not since you know John Gruden got out of here, and even before that. So um, you know it'd been twelve years since they made the playoffs, and yet I think you know obviously Jason Light and those guys have slowly built this team through the through the draft. They've added the right free agents, whether it's Shaq Barrett or Jason Pierre-Paul in a trade or. 
you know, some of the guys that they've gotten have really worked out for them. And then last year, of course, a bunch of guys came in. Um, but, you know, but yeah, J.J. Watson, Arizona Cardinal. I mean, I, I think that's – and that's the thing. Like, when you think about the Bucks free agents, I think, I think people need to brace themselves. And I know we're going to get into this with some questions here. But you need to, you need to anticipate they're going to lose some players you really love. And it, it, could be, it could be a Chris Godwin. It could be a Shaquille Barrett. It could be a Levante David, right? It could be a Damakon Sue, uh, Ryan Suckup. Any of these guys, and probably all of them, are going to look for dollars first. They've all got their rings. Every one of them is going to get a ring from the Bucks, whether they go to the event that they have before training camp next year or not. They're going to get their ring in a box. So now it's, it's about you know money in the bank or breaking the bank, as Shaquille Barrett has said. And you need to be prepared if you're a Bucks fan that there's that that you know these players are not staying uh you know first and foremost to win a championship that helps that's in the bucks favor and it also is in the bucks favor that they can talk to these guys negotiate with them not that there's not tampering going on right now because there is but you you know you have them until March 17th at 4 p.m. to try to get a deal done with them exclusively no the team can actually uh well there's a 3 day tampering period just before that but until like the 11th or so of March uh, or not at the 11th, to be like the 14th of March. No one can really talk to them except you, allegedly. Um, but you better be prepared. And, and the guy the guy I keep thinking about, but we'll get into the questions. But I was going to say, that's a perfect segue yeah, to our first let's, question. Let's start with the first question because this is a good one. So Joe asked, which top free agent on the Bucks do you think will be in a different uniform next year? I feel like Levante David, Chris Godwin, and Ryan Suckup should be the priorities while letting Shaquille Barrett walk since he makes so much money and there should be cheaper quality pass rushers available. What is your take? I don't think there are uh, a lot of quality pass rushers. There are cheaper ones. I don't know that you're going to find one in this defense that has worked as well as Shaquille Barrett. And that's the thing, right? There's no there, there's a projection when you bring another player in from someplace else, unless he's played for Todd Bowles, that, you know, is he going to work in this 3-4? And uh, he's gonna, first of all, he's going to have to learn the defense if he doesn't have a history with it. But with Barrett, there's no there's no questions about it. Nineteen and a half sacks one year, eight sacks during the regular season, four in the postseason. Dominant uh, player in the Super Bowl could have been the MVP. Um, you know, and and so you're you're not trying to to, to try to you know project how a guy is going to do. So I I don't know that there's a lot of pass rushers that you're going to say well we're we're good there. Um, you know, and you know as far as we've talked about. You know the possibilities of of Godwin uh, getting franchised. I, I think I think it's going to be a lot easier to franchise Godwin than it would be Barrett because again I think Barrett is going to have a visceral reaction to that. He felt like he should have got his hundred million dollar payday a year ago. They had the pandemic. They had the salary caps crunch situation. It's going to be better next year. He feels like he he did his his year. Um, it's hard to it's hard to franchise guys twice. Um, Ryan suck up. I think could could get a very good offer from another team if somebody wanted to overpay him. But what are we talking about with kickers? The highest paid guys are what, five, six million dollars? Tops, probably closer to five. So I, I'm not sure that he's going to be outpriced as far as a kicker goes. His value here is certainly big. The guy I wonder about is Levante David. Um and I know Levante would like to play his whole career here, but you know, remember this. He's been here nine years, right? And and eight of those years they didn't snip the playoffs, and then he wins the Super Bowl. 
This is his last big contract, whatever it is. And whatever you think of Levante and where he's at, he's a pretty damn good player last year. Mm-hmm. The numbers are there to prove it. And the thing is, he made a little over $10 million, and the franchise value for a linebacker is closer to 16 uh, or $17 million. Yeah, just another and, Bucks fan had text. That was the next question is, do you think franchising Levante David instead of Godwin or Barrett is an option? I mean, it would be – it would it – would, I don't think it's an option. I'll tell you why. But but before you would do that, you'd have to have deals with Godwin and Barrett. Like if you sign Godwin to a long-term extension and Barrett to a long-term extension, then you're looking for the next franchise guy. That might be the kicker, by the way. It might be a guy like Ryan Suckup, which they have done with this organization before. Mm-hmm. They have franchise kickers. Um, with David, here's why I don't think you franchise him. In as much as you, you don't want him to get out of here, I mean, you know, you know he is – a leader by example, but also when he speaks, guys really listen to him. Um, he absolutely has taught, you know, he has taught so many young players about how to be a professional. You know, chief among them, the guy, the guy playing right next to him. Um, and so, I don't think you can underestimate his value, like intrinsically and also statistically. But there is a decorum about the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, and, and look, teams, you know, teams have <laughs> done players dirty before. I'm not saying they don't. But it would seem to me that if I'm the Buccaneers and Levante David uh, wants to be a free agent, so say he has another offer out there, um, and, and maybe it's a longer-term deal because franchise tag is just one year. The guy gave you nine seasons here, right? Nine. And I, I think at that point, as an organization, as an ownership, the Glazers, you wish him well, you pat him on the back, you say, we'll see you at the Ring of Honor ceremony one day, and you send him on his way. If that's what he wants, if he truly wants to be a free agent, I think that's what you do. You exhaust all efforts to sign him, but if he knows there's more money out there and he wants to go to, say, the Cleveland Browns, which have been linking him recently, um, you know, for – you know, three years, I don't know, 30, you know, 40 something million dollars with, with 32 of it guaranteed. I, I think you wish him well. I don't, I don't think you franchise that guy because of all he's done for you. You know, it kind of reminds me, and it's is not, this is apples to oranges. I get it. But, you know, the Glazers were so grateful to Rich McKay for, you know, both picking them as owners, then becoming their GM, then helping them build a stadium that, they let him go to Atlanta to a rival division team two weeks before they were going to play him as their general manager because they they appreciated what Rich had given to this organization, what his family had done for this organization. And so I I think the same would hold true with Levante. I think you would get um, sort of the, the you know, again, there's, there's a little bit of decorum here where you go, you know what, we're not going to hold that guy hostage. Like that guy wants out. He's deserved it. He's given us nine seasons. We gave him crap for eight of them, right? We didn't make a playoff game for eight of them. And then he gave us a Super Bowl trophy. It's his right to go on and get his next deal. The other part of that, too, is I think the linebacker franchise tag is going to be in the range of $15.5 million, $16 million. Are you willing to give him a five or $6 million raise when you know you've got other free agents you need to sign? I don't think you, I don't think you can. That's, what, that's I, the I, other I mean, part of it. You can't. I don't, yeah. this, there's, with the way this team's salary cap structured and the players you want to try to keep, right. you can't afford to give another $6 million or $5 million to him to keep him for and one year. And he can get it. 
mm-hmm. and he can get it. You know, and it, it look and and here's the thing: if it's three million a year, you know, maybe he says, "Look, I've got to go buy a place in Cleveland. I got to go rent a place in Cleveland half the year. That's going to cost me a million dollars." Flying back and forth, or you know, sent, you know, keeping his home here in Tampa because he knows he's not going to be there long term wherever he goes. This was the sort of thing that Derek Brooks had to weigh. He had a chance to go to the Saints after you know the Bucks were done with him, and he chose to retire because when he crunched the numbers, you weren't really getting that much more money. So now the Bucks didn't offer Derek Brooks anything; they they just wanted him out. They just cut him. But in this case, if the if the if the Bucks were to offer Levante. Two three million less, and maybe it's a decision that he just says, "Well, it's it's not going to, you know, I'm not making anything else really in real money, no state income tax, all that." Um, but if it's if it's six or seven, I mean that that's Ryan Suckup, right, by himself. Okay, that's uh, you know uh, an extra five million for keeping Shaq Barrett or six million. So you you really got to look at it that way, and you just got to put place a value on the position. Right, which is inside linebacker versus pass rusher. We know that the value of the pass rusher is higher uh, intrinsically, and then and then you know and then what he means to your team. Now, I don't think there's many players that mean more to the Bucks than Levante David over the years. But but you know what? There's young guys that are starting to take that leadership mantle. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know. Maybe he's done his work here. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. They they know how to get there. They know the way home, and they got Tom Brady, and they got a lot of leaders, and you know, and Devin White has emerged as that guy in the huddle that speaks up, and and he's ready to go on his own now. So you know, um, it would be a hell of a loss, but I that's why I don't think you franchise him. I don't think the team would do that to, to Delonte. All right, rooting for UF. It asked, should the Bucks have found a way to protect Josh Rosen to be the quarterback in waiting? Um. Well, they certainly had their opportunities to do so if they wanted to. Um, here's the thing. He didn't get a lot of reps because, frankly, there are no reps during the season to get. I know he worked on the side. I think they got a long enough look at him that if they wanted to put him on their active roster to protect him, they could have and would have. So Josh Rosen was an interesting prospect that they got to get a close-up look at in their system and see – what he's like day to day, see what he's like in the room, see what he's like studying, how serious he is, how how, how he throws the football, um, how he moves around, all those things, right? And just kind of figure out what kind of guy he is. And I'm not saying there's any negatives against Josh Rosen because I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard the Bucks say anything bad about him. But they had that opportunity. I mean, look, their backup quarterbacks were Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin. And I like both those guys. Ryan Griffin has attempted four passes in his career, okay? So if you needed Josh Rosen on the roster as your third quarterback, you'd have just been fine, okay? They didn't do that, you know? And so keeping him on the practice squad, I think, you know, they took a flyer on the guy, and they got him in their building, and they had a good look at him. And, you know, when they lost him, they lost him. They they chose not to protect him. So I don't – you know, what you hear, and you can believe it or not, and I – I'm in the camp that I don't quite believe it is that maybe the heir apparent to Tom Brady is Blaine Gabbert. Now that seems like a reach to me only because we, we should know what Blaine Gabbert is by now. Um, 
and he's won some games for for Bruce in a pinch, and and you know he's he's won games in in Tennessee and other places. But you know to 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 hand it over to him when Brady is done seems like a reach. Now maybe you know he's gotten better with age. He throws the hell out of the ball. He keeps himself in tremendous shape. All of that is true. Uh, maybe we're selling him short if he had a great team around him. I don't know, but. I, I tend to think that the next quarterback for the Bucks after Brady leaves probably isn't here yet. And that's just my opinion. And oh, until I'm until somebody convinces me otherwise, I think, you know, and, and it, there's no slam dunk when you're drafting 32, you're going to take that guy this year either, you know. And who's to say, if this works so well, that you don't just become, you know, with all the quarterback movement we've seen this year, and I think there'll be more of it because of Brady, that the next time – you need a guy, you don't become that team that's trying to get a Russell Wilson or trying to get a Deshaun Watson or whoever is, you know, falling off the tree at that time. Um, that might be the way to go. That might be just what the Bucks do. They've had success doing it with Brady, and there's only one Tom Brady, I get it. But um, if you can't develop a quarterback, your next line of option, option is, to, is to steal one. And they stole the best of all time, even though he was 43 years old. Mark asked, Rick, will the Bucks finally get to host the opening Thursday night season opener? And against who? Well, it's a great question. Uh, I'll never forget how disappointed John was at the uh, Gruden at the owners' meetings in Arizona after they won the Super Bowl. And uh, he was taking his bows and, you know, being miserable as John could be sometimes. But then when he found out that they were having to go to the vet, uh, they closed the vet and they were going to open the, the, the season in Philadelphia at at Lincoln Financial Field for the first game. He was red hot. And I don't know before or since it has happened. Um, but I do think that the Bucks will probably uh will probably host the game. And I don't know that it'll be a division rival. I mean you could say, well, maybe they'll have New Orleans, but I eh, I don't know that Without, that's gonna be assuming Breeze retires, I don't see that being I don't see that. I got one that's on their schedule, their home schedule. Um, that is not a division game that would be intriguing to me, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Because nobody circles the wagons or the pirate ship like the Buffalo Bills. So how about Josh Allen against Tom Brady, the upstart AFC you know, championship loser mm-hmm. against the Super Bowl champions? That wouldn't be a bad way to go. Uh, Miami's on the schedule, I think, here. Um, I don't know. There's some other teams. None of the other teams really – seem to have the the the, the contending uh, vibe to them that they could host, in my opinion. So, but yeah, but because the Bucks finished second place in the division, they don't play the Packers. They don't play the Seahawks. They're playing the Rams. Now, granted, it's at at L.A. Right. They're playing the Bears, not the Packers. Mm-hmm. Right. The Bears right. here. I, I mean, you look look at their home games next year. Okay, the division games of Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans. I don't mm-hmm. think any of those three. Nope. Unless New Orleans, you know, Deshaun Watson ends up in New Orleans or something crazy. Or Russell Wilson goes there. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. Before maybe. the schedule yeah. comes out, usually in late April. Right. Right before the NFL draft. Right. The Cowboys and Giants from the NFC Easter at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, both were bad teams last year. The Bills and yeah. Dolphins. Dolphins are a good team, but I don't know if there's the star power you want on the opening Thursday night. Not if it's Tua against Brady. I mean, up up and coming maybe, yeah. but the Dolphins are a very good team. So I mean, you know, those are the and the Bears. Are the, you know, those are the home games. 
it's, yeah. it's if the Bears got Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, if the Dolphins got one mm-hmm. of those guys, if you know Dallas being Dallas with Dak, just because it's Dallas and you know you're going to get a hell of a rating, maybe I don't think they're that interesting personally um, or that good. To me, it's Buffalo. To me, to me, Buffalo makes the most sense. Now, if you could turn the schedule around a little bit and have New England come here, oh, that yo, that would be definitely different. What, well, what may, do you think that game? Maybe they'll make the Bucks in, go to in, New England for opening night. Well, there you go. <laughs> they get screwed again. It's like, nope. the The marquee game is Brady at Gillette Stadium against the Patriots. Brady Belichick. We're opening the season. I don't care. And that will be exactly what what happens is they get screwed again and they can't play their home game as a Super Bowl champ. That would be. We that can't be have nice things, Rick. We can't have nice things. I keep telling people this. And no trip to the White House either. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, Michael wrote us and says, does Randy Arazarina become a superstar this year? Well, I guess we'd, we'd have to know the definition of superstar, but he certainly was in the postseason. I mean, he was, you know, eclipsing guys like Derek Jeter, right? So um, I don't know, Steve. I mean, if he had a weakness, I, I, it didn't really present itself in the postseason. I mean, it was so hot that it was unnaturally hot, right? If he did that uh, over the course of 162 games, I think he'd hit about 95 home runs. Um, so he's not going to be at that pace. But I think he is on the verge of being a superstar, and here's why. I haven't found anything he can't do, Right. He's great defensively. Um, he clearly has a, a really good arm. Uh, the, the, the ability to hit for the kind of power that he's displayed, not just pulling the ball and yoking it, but, but to all fields. Um, there was a time when I thought like they were kind of getting him to chase balls out of the zone low. So they're going to they're exploit – they're going to find and exploit a weakness, at least how to keep the ball in the yard. But he seems capable of, of hitting to all fields and, you know – his, his contact rate's pretty high, and, and he just he hits the ball so hard. I think that's the thing, right? They, they do all these velocity studies and things like that, that everything he hits seems to be smoked. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he is on the track to being a superstar. I'm, that might be premature, but I'm willing to, I'd be willing to invest in that. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting this year because, uh, one, the postseason was so incredible. And he did it without much protection in the lineup because pretty much the rest of the lineup went cold in the postseason. They stunk, yeah. Um, you know, you had a, a guy here or there have a good game or two, but but they really didn't have I any. Mean, Brendan Lau was was wasn't very good. Austin Meadows wasn't no very protection, good. right? You know, right. and he was still doing that. And 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 even when they didn't have to pitch to him, he was still making that work. Mm-hmm. But now pitchers have had a whole off season to study him, look at him, etc. They and have it's been a big story. And they're going to make adjustments to him. So the question is, is how good and how quickly will he make adjustments back? And that's what that's right. what sports is, and, and baseball in particular, right. is you see a lot of rookies will come up and, and have a big impact. Now, not to the level of Rosarina did, don't, don't get me wrong. But then 
then pitchers start figuring it out and getting a book on them and start, this works and this doesn't. And it's how you make those adjustments back. And, and we haven't seen him have to make those adjustments yet. So right. whether he becomes a superstar this year or continues to, I mean, I think he's going to have a very good year, but we'll see how quick he can make those adjustments and how effective they are to keep the pitchers off balance to him. You know, once they start figuring out the best ways to pitch him, how can he make the adjustments back? So, yeah, that's part of being in major leagues. And, and I do think, though, if, if say, Austin Meadows comes back to his 2019 form, mm-hmm. if, um, you know, Brandon Lau uh, does what he normally does during the regular season but didn't do in the postseason, having guys around him, you know, they may be forced to have to not, you know, try to pitch around him and make him chase and do things like that. So a lot of it, I think, might depend on, you know, whether, whether they, teams can pitch around him. Jeff had tweeted us a couple times, and he was responding to some of our conversations about Stu Sternberg in the stadium. He says, Rick, they're two-timing us. Hard to stay in love when they are flirting with another city. Don't give Stu a pass. All or nothing. You don't cut the baby in half. No, I and I kind of agree with that. I'm not I don't I didn't mean to give him a pass. I, I think what I was saying um when this came up was and you know that that they need to they need to pick uh and they need to get married. They've got you know, they're dating Montreal and they're still living with, you know, Tampa and the Rays. You got to just, you can't be in two houses. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of with them. Like you can't continue the two time. It's time. It's time to pick a place. Not I was one that never really thought this Montreal plan would work. Um, you know, if you said, would I rather have baseball for half a year than none a year? I would probably say yes, but you don't want that to happen to your city. Right. Um, so I, I think, I, I'm I'm all or nothing. I mean, I think they need to be all in or all out. I just think they need to decide. I'm I'm not giving Stu a pass. I I hope there's a solution here. I don't know that there is, but I know that they need to they need to work towards getting one really quickly because I can promise you the city of St. Petersburg has valuable real estate development ideas, um, and that property, the way St. Pete is growing, is is worth a lot to their to their citizens, their taxpayers, and everybody else. So if the Rays want to be part of that, they need to declare it and find a solution and do it. If not, um, and if you're not going to talk to Tampa, and I don't know if there's a solution over there, then I guess you're then I guess you're hitting the road. But you know you can't hold a community hostage. That's the one thing I saw happen in reverse when you know the Rays weren't here and St. Petersburg was in pursuit of a baseball team. And you know whether it was the Chicago White Sox that built you know USA Park or whatever it's called. Um, you know, Seattle went through the same thing. The Giants, right? St. Pete courted all of them. And eventually they all remained in their same cities and got new ballparks. And they used Tampa, St. Petersburg as, you know, as leverage. And that's the way the game is played. But if Montreal is their leverage, Montreal doesn't want them full-time either from what I understand. So, you know, you better you better figure out where you're going to live full time because otherwise you're going to be out on the street. And I'm not saying they couldn't find a new home in Nashville or one of these other cities because there's probably plenty of cities that would love to have Major League Baseball. But I I I don't like the idea of them spending half the season someplace else. Um, and I and I wish that they would just commit to Tampa Bay and or in particular this development in St. Petersburg, which is available to them right now. They just have to work it out and and first of all be you know. Be, be okay with it and secondly figure out the financing aspect so 
Um, I'm not going to give him a pass. I really, you know, I want baseball to stay here as much as anybody. I just think, I just think it's time. I don't, I, I'm, I'm tired of the debate. I know the, the people in St. Pete are, and they haven't found any solutions in Tampa either. So, you know, I don't know how it's going to work there. All right. Cognitively dissonant uh, wrote us and says, with the NHL having siloed divisions, does it help or hurt the Lightning if they make it to the portion of the playoffs where they are seeing a team for the first time this season? I don't know, Steve. You, you might have a better opinion of this than me, but, but my opinion is that they're a great hockey team, and I don't care who they play. Um, you know, yes, is there is there a familiarity with the teams in their division right now? Certainly, and you haven't seen some of these teams. You would be seeing them for the first time all year. Um, year to year, every team is different. There'll be adjustments, but that's what makes, I think, the Lightning such a great hockey team, that it's not so much about their opponents ever. It's always more about how they play and, and whether they're committed to their style of play. And they can, they're good enough to play any style you want to and beat you at that game if they do the things that they know they need to do. And they have the greatest goaltender in the world. So I'm not going to get all crazy about the fact, oh, well, they didn't get to see, name the team, you know, ABC all year long. That's why this is going to be such a tough series. Don't forget, the other team hasn't seen the Lightning all year either. Um, so they're going to have a bigger adjustment in my opinion, because they're, they're the best, one of the best hockey teams in the league and they're the defending Stanley cup champions. So, um, with great teams and championship teams that, that I've covered a couple of them, it's always, it's always been about, Hey, how are they going to adjust to us? You know, you're not worried about the opponent as much as you are. Hey, let them figure out how they're going to handle us. Yeah, I think, I mean, the part where the way this season's working is they've realigned the divisions because of travel with Canada, because you can't cross the border. So the Lightning are in a division with seven other teams in the Central Division, and the top four teams from that will make the playoffs. The first two rounds of the playoffs, you are facing your division foes. So you wouldn't be playing a team that's not on your schedule until the semifinals was previously the conference finals, but there's no conferences this year. Right. So it's the semifinals. So at that point, you're playing to go to the Cup. Correct. At that point, you've got two rounds of playoff tapes that, that every team's going to have on everybody. Mm-hmm. And so while it, it might be a slight disadvantage if, if you were to start the playoffs right away, and the only reason I say maybe a slight disadvantage is, look, the Lightning are the Stanley Cup champions. People have been watching this team you know, throughout the Cup run last year and then this regular season because – you're the Stanley Cup champions, and they want you know mm-hmm. you're one of the best teams. So those are the the teams that people will keep an eye on and kind of watch. But with two rounds of the playoffs before you get there, I, I don't think there's an advantage or disadvantage. Um, you know, maybe if there's some new players, new systems, new coaches. I mean, you, you know they they've played you know the the best teams. Let's say you know let's look at Colorado, Boston, Toronto. Those are kind of the, some of the division leaders. Vegas. They know those teams. I mean, they've seen them. They've watched them. They're, it's it's the, the same core that they've played for several years now. Um, I don't know if there's an advantage or disadvantage to it. It's going to be interesting. I mean, mm. you know, how often do we in, in the playoffs, you know, well, in the regular season they went 2-1 and one or 3-1 and one or, you know, they split mm-hmm. the season series or it was a sweep or, you know, you don't have those comparisons to make. But you've also, you know, you've got yeah. two rounds of playoff hockey that you're, that you're watching. Um, you know, where it becomes harder and, and much like – college football was this year and and you know college basketball to a point there was a little bit of pre non-conference games but the harder part is how good is boston compared to tampa bay 
How good is Toronto compared to Boston? Because they're not playing any common opponents. You know, Toronto's rolling in the Canadian division, but I think it's a pretty weak division, actually. I mean, Montreal really fell off, and Edmonton hasn't been what you hoped they would be, and and that. So how good is that? Now, I think the East division is really tough, and Boston's, you know, doing well there, as Mm -hmm. several other teams are, too. So, you know, you don't have those common opponents to kind of have a feel for it going in. But right. I, I think as far as an advantage for one team or the other, I don't think there is one. Thanks for your mailbag questions. Those are great. You don't have to wait for a mailbag to send us those, by the way. Um, anytime you want to ask us something, just hit me up on Twitter at NFL Stroud. You can reach us uh, on Twitter at SportsDayTB or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. The Lightning is at Dallas. I'm sure the Stars will be trying to seek some revenge from that 6 to nothing shutout loss they had uh, just the other night. In it, was Tampa, o- it was only and five, it, nothing, Rick. Only five. Was it five? Why do I want to give him six? Well, it could have been six. Whatever. Yeah. Um, whatever. But it was a shutout. And then the Rays, they continue their spring training. They play Boston. They play the Red Sox on ESPN today at one oh five. Live baseball on television. Baseball in the that? afternoon, hockey in, at night. It doesn't get much better than that. I'm not leaving the TV set. I can tell you that. And Tom Jones, my longtime radio partner, of course, columnist, Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute, as you know, will join us uh, maybe for the next day or so on the podcast. So look forward to that. So thanks for your questions. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 